Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of Dead Dog Theology. We're excited to have you guys this week as we're continuing our series on church membership. So last week we talked about church membership and what that means and how that's Christ's kingdom acting out. And so this week's episode, we're going to talk about serving the church. What are we supposed to do as functioning members of the body of Christ and serving the church? We hope you guys continue to listen. We thank you to all of our faithful listeners. Uh, Continue to like, subscribe, comment, leave a rating on all of your listening platforms, and also go check out our Facebook page at Dead Dog Theology Podcast. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good morning, Luke, and then welcome to our listeners again, as you said, to Dead Dog Theology. Today, we want to continue our discussion on church membership and how that membership of the body of Christ, personified in the local church, flows over into areas of service. And that comes down to each and every individual Christian. So today, we want to encourage you by looking at the Word. We're going to be looking in Hebrews 10, and at least in Ephesians 4, some of these things, these foundational uh, scriptural passages that inform us what the kingdom of Christ looks like on the earth among his people functioning as members of his body and serving not only themselves but the cause of the gospel out into the world. So Luke, I am glad to be here. We were running a little late this week uh, due to the 4th of July holiday on Monday and then Tuesday we got busy. So this is actually Thursday of the week and it's a little late for us but we're glad to be with you guys uh luke did you do anything celebrate the fourth with your family anything we, in particular yeah we uh we went out to my wife's family out in hoax bluff and in hoax bluff uh well it was technically ball uh ball play ball play yeah that's so right tomcat we, road that's, that's right yeah and so we swam a little bit and, and watched some fireworks it was a good time okay anybody really shoot enjoyed. any guns Nobody shot any Okay, guys. sometimes when you don't have fireworks, you've got an uncle that'll go in and get their AR or something. So I'm going to be careful with that as we celebrate. That for, sounds freedom. like a better party. I need to do that next year. <laughs> you know, uh, the dogs in the neighborhood and where I live in Southside, Alabama. They go crazy. They go crazy. But my dog, she's a duck dog, and when she hears fireworks, she's going run around looking for ducks. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. But uh, today, all seriousness, as we uh, transition from last week, talking about the membership of each and every Christian brought into the body of Christ, we're really defining church membership as an active participation as a functional member of the body of Christ, the church, uh, as presented in Scripture. And we've all gone through phases where church membership sometimes can get... um, in the gray or foggy in our convictions because maybe we we see the tediousness of gathering and the facades of traditional religion but we have to push those things aside and get to the heart of of christ being realized among his people on this earth and how the local participation in a church and we can make a great uh, biblical argument for the local church how that really reveals your surrender to the lordship of christ because he's commanded that we be functional members through his power by his spirit for his glory and we get to participate in that so today we want to focus more on the outworking of that membership and service uh the first thing i want to talk about uh luke is the familiar passage of scripture in hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 when it talks about meeting together The writer of Hebrews says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day 
drawing near. So again, once you see this impending kingdom that is right on the brink of being fully consummated with the second coming of Christ, the more we approach that day, and if you don't have your Bible uh, in the text, the word day is capitalized. So it's certainly talking about judgment day, the second coming of Christ. As we see the times uh, straining and, and evil progressing, and then the kingdom of God is advancing, uh, we know that Christ is coming, and all the more then how important it is for us to gather as the church together. Um, Luke, just as a younger man, um, what do you think is the mindset of a, a millennial when it comes to gathering with the church? Is it is it just a religious thing to do, or 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 how has that been portrayed to that generation? I think you hit it. I think it's more of a religious thing to do. Thing, uh, and, and it may be one of those things where they grew up going through that, going through the motion, and not really having real relationship in a church, and so it becomes just an event to go to. An event to go to. And and again, you know, I grew up checking off the blanks of perfect attendance and, you know, that expectation. But then we're talking about the spiritual life of Christ and his people. Uh, I know that there's duty and discipline in the gathering. Uh, Hebrews 10 is appealing to that uh, habitual practice. And I guess that's what I had the benefit of growing up. We went to church. And that's a that's a tough statement sometimes to unpack. But we were very devoted in the habit of going to church. But now, in modern times, it seems like there's a lot of things competing. Uh, at Harvest Field, I'd say, you know, if we considered somebody a regular attender as a church member, it may be even twice a month, right. you know, because then they're gone on vacation or then something else comes up. And it just seems like the norm of the habit of assembly it changes uh, generationally. That's right. um, you were telling me about an article you read from T4G, just a little bit about some of the expectations of a church member. And what we want to do is use this to transition into the, the biblical argument that you, each member is equipped for service. So go down that yeah. list for me. Just yeah, so th this is actually from the Gospel Coalition. They, they, they listed the article as your seven job responsibilities as a church member. And so um, I think they cover it pretty well because a lot of times we don't think that we have a job as a church member, that we just go to the event, like I said. Yeah, it's we, called a worship service. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and so... Uh, they, they talk about, hey, these are this is your job as a church member. And so they have seven things they list off. Uh, number one, attend church regularly. Uh, make it a habit, like you said, to go to church, be the church, be involved, live in community with the church. Um, they use a couple different scripture uh, passages here, but I'm not going to quote all of them. So number two is help preserve the gospel. So uh, I think they cover with in Galatians 1, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning to a different gospel. And he 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 says that to say to reject uh, apostles or whoever you may hear to that teach a false gospel. So you, you preserve the gospel by studying the scriptures and knowing the gospel. And that's part of your job as a church member. Number three, they help affirm gospel citizens. So when people join the church, you're to affirm those members, knowing their walk with Christ, knowing who they are. Number four, attend members' meetings. So attend the meetings that you're called to service in. I think of uh, not long ago, we had a, a student and children's meeting here at Harvest Field. Be sure that you're in attendance if you help the student and children, things like that. Number five, disciple other church members, which is a big thing that we're doing at Harvest Field. Uh, I think of the men's ministry and the women's ministry. Um, 
the men's ministry in particular, they're they're focusing on setting down one on one and discipling those guys. Home groups, any kind home of home groups, exactly. Group. Yeah. That's exactly. Um, share the gospel with outsiders is number six. So be a church on mission, going to evangelize to your local community. And then number seven, follow your leaders. Uh, submit to the authority of the elders who submit to the authority of Christ. We talked about that. Even submission to leaders just seems to be a very repulsive idea to, to the uh, um, unionized, democratic mind process of I do me, you do you. If I don't like it, I'll go somewhere else. Right. I'll go shopping. So those are good seven things. You can find that article, I'm sure, by an easy Google search. But it, it gives the idea of responsibility in membership, that that you don't just get to show up and go home. Um, and then when you get tired of a particular local church, you just leave. I, I, I do want to add real quick, uh, it talks about the authority of the Scripture in that church membership. And, and so the authority of the Scripture in your service with the church. And so it lists a couple different things. You're responsible to act if pastor so-and-so begins to teach a false gospel. That's one of your responsibilities as a church member. You're responsible to help ensure that another member candidate adequately understands the gospel. They know the gospel before they join your church. And you're responsible for someone's discipleship to Christ um, and that she's being cared for. This person's being cared for and nurtured towards Christ's likeness. And you're also responsible to ensure that a member is excluded from the fellowship of the church if their life and profession no longer agree. Well, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And when we stir it back into the life at Harvestville, each one of those uh, are first and foremost uh, are included in your elder duties. Absolutely. But then the eldership model versus the congregational model of church governance requires much more relationship. It requires relationship. Absolutely. If you think about the congregational form of government, it just takes votes. And uh, elders are to know the congregation and all those things to help these members be faithful members and, and a functional part of the body. Uh, just a couple of things as we move forward. We're throwing some these, a lot of these topics to you. Um, I want to stress the importance of your involvement in the local church. There's no such thing as a churchless Christian. These Christians who say, well, I'm just going to stay home and watch online or, or you know, that can be a good thing. But that's not a participating member. That's a, a, a member, a foot, an eye, a hand, an ear who has gone off and says they're functioning in the isolation of their body part. That is, that is not, there's no such thing as a churchless Christian. I, I don't understand how uh, a lot of these churches that have gone to that video format, how you, you said it earlier, our church service, how do they feel like they're serving in church by sitting on the couch watching? Us well, or, I'm know. sure they would make, you know, try to justify that with, with phone calls or interactions outside, but, but, and we'll get to more of that in just a second. Yeah. We are united to Christ and united to one another. So again, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 tells us stirring up one another in love to good works, not neglecting to meet together. So meeting is a face-to-face -face meeting. The substitute for the corona years uh, on video, that was fine. But as is our habit, we come to share Christ with one another and then share of ourselves. The local church is this local gathering of an identifiable people. And if I were making a biblical argument, we, we could talk about the church at Antioch, the church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, the church at Thessalonica. These are local people identified in, in this local representation of the universal church. Um, 
Making disciples evangelism. You alluded to these are the article you reference. Fellowship. It means partnership. Uh, prayer, endurance, all navigating the corporate body made up of individual parts. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go to a red brick, white column church on Sundays and wear our Sunday best and sing four hymns and, and uh, you know, three poems and an invitation and call it done. Uh, we can have house church. We can gather in the name of Christ wherever God's people are gathered is the temple, the dwelling place of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is among us. Christ is among us as his gathered people. We experience Christ individually, but the power of Christ is made known in his kingdom awareness. When his people gather together as members of his body, then the body begins to function and take on the life of Christ. Um, I read a uh, portion of a book yesterday and it influenced a little Facebook post and my paraphrase, uh, the seed of the word of God is effectual to bring life to dead things. Um, I read this thing. It's a little story. Scientists can break down a seed, let's say a, a corn kernel. Uh, they can break down the composition of that and they can take chemicals artificially made or, or brought in different elements and they can create a something that looks like a corn kernel. But when they plant it in the ground, it does not produce. They cannot make an artificial seed that produces. Now, they make hybrids, and I, I won't get into all the genetics. But I'm talking about that, that uh, infusion of life uh, can only be given to things by God. And so as the church gathers in the name of Christ and the, the scriptures are at the center and there's a faithful preacher who's expounding upon the seed of the word of God and he's scattering that seed, that seed can produce life in dead people. It can open deaf ears to hear. It can open blind eyes to see and hear the kingdom of God and the beauty of Christ. Therefore, serving in the local churches we gather, who wouldn't want to gather to feed upon the, the nourishment of Christ, to experience the vitality of Christ among his people, and then go out as members scattered and gathered and scattered again uh, to, to share the life of Christ and the functionality of the church. Um, we really can't say we love Jesus, and, and you've seen this in memes and posts other places. You can't really say you love Jesus and do not love his church. Therefore, why would you neglect the church by your absence? You are a part of the body. If you've been born again, born into the body of Christ, you are an essential part that is needed at your local church. Amidst the dysfunction of organization, amidst the dysfunction of uh, you know obtuse personalities, uh, is the weightiness of the Lordship of Christ that, that crushes us all under into submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's a lofty, idealistic view of church membership. But now we're going to continue to talk about how church membership begins to serve and to do and, and gives each member, uh, you know, if you're working hard as a body part, you're going to have less time for conflict and boredom. You know, and, and I would say not just Harvestville, uh, but if you're at your church and you're bored or you're at your church and you're you're discouraged, I understand that can happen. But if you'll start acting as if Christ is your Lord and you function and you uh, strive towards serving him and serving his church, um, my my hypothesis would be that you would soon come to love the church more and more as you see the life of Christ uh, shared among his people. So here at Harvestville, we do a new members class. We try to answer questions. We try to give a, a overview of our doctrine. 
our governance and some of the things that they could expect. We It's a work in progress. Each and every time we do a, home, a new members class, uh, we talk more about home groups. We talk more about eldership. We talk more about church discipline and that that part that we talked about last week of people submitting themselves to authority and accountability. So this helps me, uh, this podcast, envision more and more what we need to talk about in our membership class. So, Luke, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about how Jesus equips his body to serve one another and to serve the gospel. I'll be right back with you. Hello and welcome back to Dead Dog Theology. We're talking about church membership from last week and took a long time to review, but it's very important that if you're born again into the body of Christ, into salvation and the body of Christ, then you are equipped to be a functional member of the body of Christ. And that's uh, personified and realized in the metaphor of church membership that you are to be a functional member. There's no such thing as a churchless Christian. They are uh, loving the bride of Christ and participating in the body of Christ in whatever metaphor the scripture uses. Luke, I want to move to gifts of service and how each member, whether it be a pancreas or a liver or a lung or an ear, is designed by God to function and contribute to the building up of the body. Uh, the, the head of the body of Christ is Christ, and that's emphatic in the metaphor, but the body parts are those that belong to Christ and are enabled for functioning by the Holy Spirit. We are looking for gifts of service and, or acts of service, I'll even say. Sometimes people misunderstand the word gifts, but you're going to understand in context. When I say gifts of service, I'm not talking about a charismatic gifts of the Spirit uh, you know, list over here, which we can talk about that someday. We're talking about gifts of service for the building up of the body of Christ. And basically, the ascended Lord, Jesus, who rules and reigns over his church by the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to his people. So I want to read uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 16. I'll just go ahead and give our listeners the whole context. Ephesians chapter 4, 1, Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us. Now it turns to us according to the measure of Christ's, that's possessive, Christ's, gift. Therefore, it says when he ascended, talking about Jesus, here's a Old Testament reference brought into the description of Christ. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And that's an allusion to the triumphal glory of Christ after the resurrection being ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of God that the book of Ephesians has already talked about. So Christ is on his throne. He's ascended as a king who gives the bounty of his kingdom and triumph and victory to all of his citizens. So that's an allusion to the, the giftings of Christ's enthronement over his people. Uh, verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but, but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one also who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That's Jesus. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body 
of Christ. We haven't left this body metaphor. So listen, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, there's the metaphor, to the measure of the stature, there's the metaphor, of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed, there's the metaphor, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, body metaphor, in every way into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we see that diversity of body parts and the unity of Christ. He is the headship to which we are growing into that we would attain even on this earth, the fullness of the stature of a functional body, each member uh, in love participating why? Because of the gifts we have received for service. Each Christian has a particular gift to contribute to the body. And he lists those. And Luke, we don't have time to expound upon every aspect of apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. But those are showing the diversity of gifts, each with different roles, equally valuable, but they all contribute to uh, the building up of the body of Christ for this aspirational aim that Christ be realized on this earth among his people for the glory of his kingdom now. Um, so if a church member, let's say I'm um, Eric Reeves' church member. I belong down there. I go down there at Harvest Field every once in a while. But that preacher, he preaches too long. He's kind of boring. He just reads out of the Bible. I don't even be funny. I like him when he's funny. When he's not, I go down there to Mount Hepzibah. That guy, he's a younger guy, got little kids. I like them. He tells them funny stories. He preached about 20 minutes. We get to go home, get over a Cracker Barrel, that old five-star rating. We like it, you know. Where have I gone, Luke? Help me. You're just sitting there looking at me. I need to reel it back in. I don't need to reel it back in. I'm running with it. I'm making a, <laughs> I'm making a big point here. Um. So if, if Eric Reeves, church member, he just goes when he feels like it, and he judges the church based on you know, how the choir sounded or how the music, if he liked it or if the preaching was too long or, if, you know, whatever. If we refuse to, to you know, gather, that was our point number one, the gathering, how can I share the gifts that Christ has given me to the church in service? You know, if I'm, I'm the Lone Ranger Christian, how am I participating in uh, this ascended Lord who has given gifts to every man, and then we're we're interpreting that by Ephesians, the rest of the book. How can I be a contributor instead of just a member in name only? So Jesus gives gifts for the building up of the fullness of his church. That's the point of this passage we read. Um, and I, Luke, you can, you know, it's not gifts as in the sensationalization of spiritual right. gifts for personal ecstasy or esteem. That was corrected in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Okay. But these are gifts that are offered in love, 1 Corinthians 13. Gifts that are administrated toward the building up of others, that's 1 Corinthians 14. So, you know, if we're not serving as a church member, if you're not, you say, well, Eric, I don't know what to do. I can understand how sometimes you can get paralyzed in assessing the needs of the kingdom. But it, it, to be filled with the Spirit and walk wise into your congregation, He opens up, 
you know, the light and the wisdom and the understanding to see how your particular giftedness or, or your willingness to serve is to be applied in the local context. So if we do not serve, basically, I would say, according to Ephesians 4, we're denying the Lordship of Christ because we're refusing to submit to this ascension of Christ, this enthronement of Christ, this giving of gifts, even the truth. It says every member has been gifted to serve. So if you're not serving, you are denying uh, submission to the Lordship of Christ. And you don't want to do that. That's a that's a terrible place to be. It's such a dysfunctional place to be. And Luke, you know me. I'm not lobbying for church membership to grow an empire on the earth right. uh, of man-made you know, empire. Right. I'm not trying to sell you so you'll come down here to Harvestville and give your money and we can build a, a pastor's retreat center, which I have plans for, by the way. No, I, I do not. Uh, well, it wouldn't be bad, but I, I do not. <laughs> um, we are looking, our motive, and we continually have to correct this motive and constrain our motive. Our motive is Christ and his yeah. kingdom be realized and love to abound. Are we a perfect people? No. And quit using that as a crutch. I would just say that to people who have left the church and they get all heard about it, right. you know, and I've, look, <clears throat> Angie and I, we've been hurt by the church as much as anybody. Uh, and I'm not trying to be cruel or insensitive, but I want to go when people say, well, we get hurt by the church. I'm going to go. Uh, the line starts way back there. Right. We're serving an imperfect people that requires great patience and long suffering, but Christ's gifts are sufficient. His, his long suffering and his example, and then the supernaturalness of being united with him is sufficient. Your elders at your church should help in the overall management of conflict and discord. And sometimes it lands on our toes and it hurts. But that does not mean that we stop loving Christ's body and his bride. So um, we were, Luke and I often talk about, um, we kind of study church history of the last 20 years through the church growth movement. And we see how the church growth movement distorts the the authenticity i'll say of serving and right. in the giftedness in which each body part is supposed to manifest many believe that a church's strength is harvestville a strong church or is mount hepzibah mount hepzibah is a, a fictional church i'm sure there probably is a mount hepzibah do you know where mount hepzibah is in the old testament well you need to go study some more young man and don't ask me where it is either. Don't you Google it. Look, your generation is just ruined. They grew Google. They, I am Google. They Google everything. Are you Googling it? Yeah. I just want to make sure. They don't let you take those on Jeopardy. <laughs> I'll take anything you want to ask me for 1000 Alex. Uh, so many believe that a church strength flows from a single pastor or an evangelist or a, a prophet or an apostle, would-be apostle. But Ephesians 4 says there at the end that the strength of a church and the building up of the body comes from every joint that is supplied, every body part that is enabled. Are you still reading about Hepzibah? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure am. It's actually off of got questions. Uh, well, I don't want to talk about that. Right okay, now. we won't. Go ahead. All right, Continue. Thanks. Sorry. Uh, um, many believe... <clears throat> every joint supplies and uh you know that that goes back to our emphasis that every church member uh, plays a significant role and should contribute we see what a church looks like that's dominated by the personality of a pastor we see what a church looks like that's dominated by a group of deacons who mean well but they've become autocratic in their administration we see how congregationalism has just uh, taken on a form of earthly government uh, to divide and conquer and the majority rule 
and so we have to be very careful um, how we e either acknowledge and participate in or ignore the giftings of our ascended Christ. And we have to do so very carefully in the body so as not to let personality or uh, let's say intrinsic giftedness. Somebody could have the gift of gab and be a very ungodly person. Right. Somebody could be very persuasive in their salesmanship and influence of others to have no motive of righteousness at all. So we have to be very discerning in how we are building up the body of Christ. Sometimes it's building up the body of an earthly kingdom or serving Christ for glory for our own good. And that's hard to unpack. That's right. And that's a motive that lurks in my heart a lot of times. You know, I'm a self-preservationist at heart. But serving the Lord out of submission to Him and His Lordship. And then I finally just have to go, <clears throat> God, strengthen me again. Give me a fresh dose of grace and wisdom today to serve and to do what I know to do, what you put in front of me that I might decrease and that the church harvest field would grow into the fullness of Christ and be a healthy body, um, not perfect this side of glory, but being perfected in the fullness of Christ's perfection and his gifts over us. So that's a big mandate for church memberships, a bigger deal than we think it is. Serving in the church, my heart aches for people who just come and go with never a thought of their body function and um, our prayer is today that whoever is listening today that you might uh, consider how your role in your local church is a big big deal for the glory of christ to be realized uh, even in your mortal body uh, so we're going to take a quick break we'll come back and close out this segment and uh, talk about a few things in closing Welcome back to this week's episode of Dead Dog Theology. So in our closing segment, Eric, I want to cover two things. Number one, uh, Hephzibah in the Old Testament and Second Kings and Isaiah, and there, it, it didn't refer to a mountain necessarily. Okay, all right. That's well, what I, the Google said. I've seen, uh, um, yeah, the reason I was so cruel and put Luke on the spots, I had no idea if Mount <laughs> was in the Old Testament. And then uh, number two, is there something you got against younger people um, pastors that like to preach and tell stories and have little kids? Well, no, and I, maybe I got excited in my sarcasm of stereotypical reasons. But no, you, you, there's nothing wrong with younger pastors who have families and tell funny stories if they stay in the text. Amen. You know, that's the, that's the tell all the stories you want to, but maybe you be so. faithful to the text. And um, I'm very thankful for your youth and your, your children. Thank you for directing that towards Anything me. else I said that was <laughs> obtuse? It's a little warm in here today, and I just get kind of going. And, and that helps of a thing. You know, I'm sitting here trying to talk about the Lord and the glory of the fullness of Christ in the church, and you're over there Googling and buying stuff on Amazon. I didn't know what you were doing. So I'm good. We're good. I was good. I was Googling. I wanted to know the answer. I got a couple of questions to ask you before we leave today, just lighthearted. Let's hear it. Because Josh Parrish likes us to be light-hearted. Oh, shout out to Josh Parrish. Shout out to Josh Parrish. I don't know what benefit that'll get us. But, <laughs> um, how old were you when you realized that Winnie the Pooh was a girl? I I guess today, because it's not. I still don't believe that's true. Yeah, I read that yesterday, and it's all making sense to me. Christopher Robin, uh, this all this indoctrination began. I had the whole Winnie the Pooh series, and Although he had a gravelly voice, now it's making sense. I don't know. I'm, oh, he did sorry. have a gravelly voice. Yeah, you know, Tigger was my favorite. 
Mr. Tigger. Um, how old were you when you realized the crusty crab was in fact a crab trap? Today, I was mm. today years old. Mm -hmm. you, that, knew, you knew the chum bucket. They were fish eating fish. fish. Yeah, yeah, I knew that's why nobody went there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's sad though. Plankton. I love SpongeBob. It's pretty funny, Sandy. What they call? What she call her dome? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, now we're just being silly. Yeah. Um. Uh. On a very serious note, continue to pray for our country. Uh, these days are evil, and we see it happening more and more and such, as in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. That was not only true in A.D. 70 and the returning of Christ proverbially in his prophecy about the fall of Jerusalem, but also at the last day. And we see from shootings and the terrible things and the futility of our government bickering back and forth and getting nothing done. I'm not bitter. I'm just sober. Um, and then... Uh, with Roe versus Wade being a, a hope of uh, secular justice with spiritual truth undergirding these things, that's what we want. We want to influence and be salt and light in the world uh, for the kingdom of Christ to be realized among us and that this world would even benefit so that the gospel and the seeding of the gospel, uh, there would be doors of opportunities uh, for us on every occasion to do so. But now, uh, focusing on the kingdom of Christ in the here and now, no matter what our government, no matter what country you're in, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what evil is surrounding you, the kingdom of Christ is advancing in us, his people, as the Holy Spirit has descended upon us and fills us, controls us, moves us um, into the life of Christ more and more that his kingdom reign be realized. And it's so important, number one, for you to be a member, a functional member of a local church. Number two, to be serving in the capacity in which Christ has gifted you. We thank you for listening today. Any other words? Yeah, I got one more question for you. Uh oh. And you answered it. You answered it. Okay. But I just want to read it. Ask me again. I want to ask you again. I feel like Some, I'm a witness. Somebody thing. comes up to us on Sunday morning when we're at the end of the church service, we're standing up front and they come up to us and they say, Pastor Eric, I'm convicted by your message. I want to serve the local church. I want to serve here at Harvest Field. I'm a member. What do I do? What's your answer? Um, and that's a very challenging question because we can preach service, service, service. And then when somebody asks, my thing is, you know, I, I would want to meet with them personally and talk about what they think is there, what needs they're perceiving. Uh, I don't do the gifts inventories as much right. because that was a church growth thing where you picked what you thought you were. We like to observe people and help them serve. We put them as hosts. That's one of the earliest things you'll do as a church member here, and that's to get to know the body. Because right. if you don't know the body, if you don't care for the body, how are you going to serve the body? So it gives our newest members uh, a working relationship to meeting people and getting rhythm in the body. And then through their home group, that's our next step for people is to be discipled in the home. Um, they have opportunities to serve one another in a small group. Now you think about, this is a whole other podcast, Lucas, um, but how do you share spiritual gifts? How do you encourage? How are you loving? How are you kind? How are you um, meeting needs? How are you helping discern the will of God through his word? Uh, the venue for that is small, small group, home sure. group. Uh, 10 to 12 people who are intimately knowing one another and serving one another. Then the concentric circles of service begin to go outward. Right. You take a spirit-filled Christian who is knowing the body gathered, 
knowing the body scattered, so that they're able to see and perceive and discern the needs of the kingdom. Um, I don't have to tell a pancreas that's healthy to produce insulin. That's what it does. So as the body, you know, I don't, I understand the imposed ignorance that I don't know how to serve. The more we grow in Christ, that statement is kind of funny. Find something to do, find a need, pray, encourage. Um, Sometimes it centers around buildings and edifices, you know, from care and maintenance and things. But we want to focus on people's needs. Call somebody, text somebody. My mom is 84 years old and she can't drive, can't get out. How does she serve the body? Is there still a way for somebody who who is limited? Yes, you can call and encourage and write letters within the capacity of where you are. And then how much more for the mobile person who's active and involved in the local church? So it's a it's a more of a relational process than a diagnostic process. And that's what I was going to say. I did like that answer because we would challenge people to get relationally connected so that they can see some of the needs. Yeah, and and they're right in front of us. Uh, Every time we gather is a reminder of the needs of the body of Mm -hmm. Christ. And then every time we encounter lost people, we see the great need for us to go and function. Now, again, we got to go, but you brought up something that made me hot. You said when we wait after the end of the service, and when we uh, have people come down to us, at, we don't have an altar, right? Uh, okay, I, I've never, I've never been in a Baptist church where they've sacrificed an idol. Right. I'm, I'm not an idol, a, a animal <laughs> right, right. on the altar. I understand the proverbial meaning, but uh, I was in a restaurant several years ago, and I heard some people talking about Harvest Field that they'd been here, and they were older men, and they were kind of brouhahaing with one another, and I just heard them say Harvest Field. And, and uh, that pastor, and I'm like, I didn't know what to do. Well, I'm that guy. He goes, they didn't even give a give an invitation. They didn't even invite people to come to Jesus. And and I just got, you know, sideways with that. And I didn't, I wasn't unkind to him. I just walked and I said, hey, I'm Eric Reeves. I'm that pastor you guys are talking about. Y'all have a nice day, weirdos. I didn't say weirdos. I thought weirdos. But now at 54, I think I'd go weirdos, you weirdo gossip busybodies. We give an invitation every week every at Harvestville. Week. If the gospel doesn't call you, I can't. We present that message as clearly as we can and the opportunity, and we're down front to receive, you know, your spiritual response. And so just want to get that out of the way. No, that's perfect. I, I, we do the same thing with students. It's a, uh, we, we dismiss them to small groups. And so that's an invitation to talk to your yeah, small group. We want to relationally know you. Uh, to have a high theology and high relationship is our aspiration. And all that has to do with being knit together as the body of Christ and functioning as a healthy representation called Harvest Field Church, whatever church you, you listeners attend and participate. Don't be just an attender. Be a participating member. A functioning member. And that starts with salvation. That's a whole other podcast. Regenerate church membership is a key to all this. Amen. Lost people can't serve the church. That's right. Thank you for listening, guys. We've enjoyed having you this week. We will, I I guess we won't see you next week, but you'll hear from us next week. That sounds great. There's that. Thank you, Luke. See you.